Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, see here. See what this is all about here. Thank you for calling the Cobras and Fire podcast. This call may be monitored or recorded for quality assurance purposes. If you are calling because you are at a trunk and you find it confusing when people say they heard you on the hmm. Cobras and Fire podcast, press 6. Please hold. Hmm, that was, uh, oddly specific. Hmm. Well, you know, good customer service. Did you know most questions can be answered using the help tab at cobrasandfire.com? Otherwise, continue huh. to hold. For the love of Pete, can I just talk to a real person? Does, does everything have to be at a www dot? it's going to be. Listening to the Cobras and Fire Podcast, part of the Decibel Geek Podcast Network. This week, Baco takes a sick day. Wake up, baby. What you I'm your host, Liz Cannon, and I am joined, direct from the infirmary, Baco. How are you, sir? I uh, I would like to say I'm doing well, but um, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm feeling better. I know you talked to me a couple days ago, but uh, yeah, 
Uh, I've come down with some sort of flu bug this last week, and uh, I thought it might have been cat scratch fever because I got into a fight with one of my cats. Interesting. So, yes. But it turns out I just cat. got the fucking flu. Interesting. <laughs> Being that you said you were a, uh, an unlicensed cat behaviorist, you would think that it did not, would not happen. Yeah, the, well, I, they, they, I'm unlicensed because I, I lost it recently. <laughs> I guess so, man. But, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm glad to talk to you. And, you know, uh, what are we here to talk about today? Well, we're basically saying that uh, you know, we, I need a week off. I, I can't perform at peak level. I, I actually am not feeling well. But we didn't want to kind of uh, – we, we thought it was a good opportunity to – you know, we've we brought in a lot of new listeners in the last few months. Uh, maybe people aren't aware of some of the older stuff. We, we thought we'd throw out an episode uh, highlighting a couple of the interviews we've done. Um, and and kind of as a way to... Yeah, we do. Yeah. As a matter of fact, one of the first episodes that we, you know, like run within the first 10 was was one you did with a guy named Bruce Kulik. Oh, yeah, that's right. So yeah. we've, been, we've been doing them from since the beginning, sort of, you know. We're, we're kind of a second-hand interview show. You know, we're not uh, yeah. we're not full-time, but... Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the right decision, though, to not do a full episode, because I can only imagine you on NyQuil, and then after a couple, <laughs> the, the couple beers that we have to have from our listeners that have been so, so nice to gift us that I would just be talking to myself. Yeah, um, and, that, and um, I should be in a state that I can actually taste it. So. Yeah, exactly, all that stuff. Uh, <laughs> so, good point. Because you taste with your nose. Yeah, it's, it's definitely part of it. But yeah, I'm all stuffed mm-hmm. up. I can't taste shit. Uh, I, I took a day off of work, actually. That, that's how bad it's been, man. Sure. I mean, <laughs> if we had another peanut butter porter, how could you get the artificial <laughs> peanut butter smell? So anyway, uh, we hope you enjoy kind of looking back. Maybe you haven't heard these, or maybe you did, and you just want to hear them again. Uh, but we're going to be back real soon next week. We'll have uh, brand new Cobras and Fire content. We have beers from, I know I know we got a bunch lined up, like Barry Travis, uh, Jay Zablewski, Stacey Sullivan, Christopher Stokes, to name a few off the top of my head. Damn. Those are the ones coming up. Um, uh, if you like these ep- these interviews, we got you know some more in in the can. You know from Jakey Lee, KK Downey, Ron Keel, Donnie V was a fun one. I thought those are all more in the last year. Um, but uh, yeah, and also you know we we have all sorts of kind of fun stuff coming uh, that we'll just tease you with a little bit. We'll be announcing all sorts of plans for Rock and Pod that will never happen. And uh, <laughs> and, I, and 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 we do actually have a kind of a pod crash uh, series coming up that I think uh, the listeners will enjoy. Um, so so look for that the next month or so. Um, and uh, you know that that's really it. You know what I mean? Uh, thanks for giving me a, a week off to, to basically for sick leave. And uh, hopefully uh, everybody will stick okay. around. And what's that? Unpaid. <laughs> well, uh, what? It's unpaid, man. What? <laughs> Four years and I haven't got health insurance yet? Nope. Yeah, so the two interviews we've got today, first I'll just mention the one that uh, we did a little yin and yang. So we got the first one is, for me, it's episode eight, where I basically bullshitted and acted as if we had a real podcast. Met Bruce Kulik down in Key West. Uh, in-person interview. And talked about everything from Meatloaf, Michael Bolton, all the way through his whole career with Kiss. So Yeah, great that, interview. Yeah, so that was like right off the bat, I decided well, I wanted to feature that because I thought it was pretty unique. And then your interview is? Oh, we're going to throw in the Don Jameson one. Uh, I thought it was Ooh, kind of a fun, fun conversation, you know, comedian, that metal show host. He had some fun stuff to say. 
Yeah, and, and I think it's great the fact that we've we've interviewed two thirds in the metal show, the good two thirds. <laughs> Meanwhile, Eddie Trunks wait on hold on the Cobras and Fire Hotline. I've been on hold long enough to listen to the entire UFO catalog. <laughs> he wrote that again. At some point, he's going to finally snap and, and make that donation to the. What is this show? I've never been on it. Nobody <laughs> else was invited. <laughs> anyway, all right, Baco. I have nothing else to say. All right, man. We'll see you in a week, man. And uh, thanks, everybody. All right, feel better. We appreciate your patience. <sighs> Were you aware of the Cobras and Fire by a Sabir campaign? For only $5, oh, you can Christ. help keep the show on the air. Go to gofundme.com slash absolutely drink for more information. Huh. Please continue to hold. For the love of God, I have, I have place to be. You want the best? You got the best. The hottest guitarist in the land? Bruce Gillian! Uh, yeah, thank you. <laughs> Certainly the hottest guitarist in Key West. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so laid back here. I'm, I'm I'm burning up from it. You know, it's crazy. When you were on tour with Meatloaf, did you ever see Meatloaf eat Meatloaf? <laughs> we were offered Meatloaf at many many gigs. Actually, <laughs> not even offered. Was that part of the rider? <laughs> we we made a point to never put it on a rider because it got oh. very obvi- obvious. Um, the machinery to to, to get Meatloaf um, known uh, it didn't happen automatically. You right. know, it was a struggle at first. Um, there was money behind us to tour, and I was, of course, not on the record. That's Todd Rungren, who produced it and played all the guitar work, okay. who I love and have worked with uh, at the Fantasy Camp. But uh, my brother and I were the two lead guitarists, my brother Bob and I, and um, it was our goal to kind of recreate. It was a big band, nine people, you know, yeah. and Massive. and and by the time we did a few early dates, like the first one with Cheap Trick. Um, we were booed off the stage. Okay, nobody got it. Um, but this was after Bet Out of Hell, wasn't it? Well, it was. I'm talking about really the first gigs. So oh, yes, okay. we were promoting the record, but no right. one really knew it yet. Right, okay, right. so they see this. He was really large then. Okay, 300 pound guy in a tuxedo yep. and and Sweaty. a full band, and they're like, you know, screw you, get off the stage. Yeah. You know, it, it was. Oh my God, you know, Milov talks about it. I know, I know, um, he remembers it pretty well. Anyway. A lot of money eventually was pumped into it, of mm-hmm. course. We played the CBS convention, and I'll, I'll shorten the story to just, we got all the support in the world, which meant we did a lot of radio, because back then you did break a, ra- a record with radio. Right, had that. Mm-hmm. And once the record company got behind it, and the radio stations played it, and people responded, that's, you can't force people to respond, but they did. There was right. something really right. incredible with Steinman's writing, and Meatloaf singing, and the music, and Todd's production. So uh, every radio station would show up at every gig, and and then there would be like a meet and greet, and there'd be a, and and then right. invariably there'd be meatloaf. And the disgusting part was, you know, I like meatloaf actually, but uh, you know the you know they made it look like a cake because you're celebrating something. You don't bring a meatloaf to a party, right? <laughs> you bring a cake, but they made it look like a cake by putting cream cheese on the top. Oh. Well, uh, there's the icing. Yeah, disgusting.
was it with uh, with the singles the hit? Was it was it two out of three ain't bad or was it bad out of hell and it finally got Well got Bad out, out of Hell was more like the album dashboard. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it, Paradise by the Dashboard Light. But but it was one of those records that just was getting airplay and uh, I forget what the first vi- I actually didn't do the video because my brother and I had a, like a recording session with a different artist and, okay. and back then well maybe even now uh, whatever you didn't really get paid to do a video but hey I'm you know I wasn't you, you know what I mean yeah, uh, yeah. what am I gonna well, you know you pay me for the gigs well you should pay me for that so we didn't show up anyway there was plenty of live footage that got out mm-hmm. later on sure. and there's a live um, German product from Eagle Rock I think of that band playing, and uh, we wow. did a good job. Of I mean, that's a good band. Lineup, yeah, right? and actually, if you buy any fairly recent CD of, um, or you go online with uh, iTunes, the remastered version has an extra two live tracks, and that's my brother and I. That's your own. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, cool. Uh, I think I think Bob's on the right. I'm on the left, and uh, I tell you, the, the, you know, it was a great band. I'm still in touch with some of those guys, and uh, it's amazing to think. Without that, I'm not so sure I would have understood what it would be to be with Kiss, you know. In a big production. Right, right. right. Knowing an arena tour and sure. flying and touring the world. So yeah, right. It was, it was a very difficult year for me, but it was very important for me. Yeah, you know? very good initiation into it. Yes, exactly. Makes sense. Mm-hmm. Is that the end of yeah, the Yeah, yeah, okay. that's plenty of meatloaf. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so the next stage was in, with uh, Michael Bolton, correct? Yes. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. I love his music. I do. I'm a Michael Bolton fan. For my money, I don't know if it gets any better than when he sings When a Man Loves a Woman. This is the tale of Captain Jack Sparrow. Pirates so brave on the seven seas. What? A mystical quest to the Isle of Tortuga. Raven like sway on the ocean breeze. Yeah, that was kind of weird, but we're back in the club. Uh, Michael um, was a Connecticut artist. You know, my brother knew of him before I, but uh, I, I did get to play um, some local gigs with him. Blackjack. Before Blackjack, Blackjack actually. Before I would that. back him in, in a club. He was a soul, kind of more of a blues rock artist. Yeah. It's interesting, his first recordings. And um, he worked really hard on putting together a couple of key songs that got some label interest, but they really wanted him to have a band. Hence... Uh, reaching out actually both to Bob and I and Bob had uh, some other things going on and wasn't that comfortable with um, that situation and for me I was attracted to it so I carried on signed a record deal for what was Blackjack gotcha so on the related to that on the Wikipedia and I gotta read this because it's I'll make sure I have it right okay so when you were in Blackjack Mm -hmm. with Michael Bolton Mm -hmm. uh, when you did like had a great song like a Mm -hmm. good co-write or you just killed it on stage Right. To say that he allowed you five interrupted minutes staring into his dreamy blue eyes as a reward. <laughs> now that you made up, come on. You know. <laughs> we, we, I saw there, man. I yeah, got to yeah, delete right. it. Yep. He really, um, you know, Michael and I, you know, I, I saw the uh, kind of like strength he had on stage with people. Right. And, I, and I learned a, f- a couple of really cool things from him. He used to, he, I, even though I thought he was kind of like a very funny and manic person, you know what I mean? I remember him being late for the audition because he had to find the right shoes. Well, there were monitors in front of the stage. You could have been barefooted. It didn't matter. Yeah, right, you, know, right. you, you know what I mean? Because you yeah, did it at one of those nice rehearsal places in, in New York. So there he is, literally late for the audition to buy shoes. Um, but Michael um, and I, you know, kind of 
coming from uh, very humble beginnings in uh, you know the East Coast. Uh, he knows I have a tremendous amount of respect for him, and it was interesting. Years later, I was able, obviously, um, he was he was you know known as a strong songwriter, and Paul was aware of him, and know yeah, they they knew, the they knew Blackjack. In fact, I remember Kiss played on a radio station because they don't support a lot of other bands all the time, mm-hmm. you know. But they were yeah. doing some publicity for either Lick It Up or no, the Lick It Up would have been too late it would have been like Destroyer even or something because our record came out in 79 or whatever mm-hmm. something that around that period of Kiss 78 to 80 said like you know like, anything you want to play you know and he wound up playing Blackjack right. you know what I mean you right. know that actually Paul would play that so they were aware of us but getting Paul Stanley and Michael Bolton together was quite interesting and they wrote a great song of course Forever yep. and one I your, love one of your best solos thank you yeah and I love yeah. the the fact that I had that opportunity to play an acoustic solo in it yep. so um, you know it, it's kind of interesting for something from my past to then connect to, to the Kiss gig you know mm-hmm. and, and it's still something that Michael talks about um, you know when he's performed and all right. and uh, and, and, and on occasion Kiss still does it too so uh, and I obviously whenever I try to gig in, in, in my world I'll, I'll do that not, not Grand Funk of course you know but saying when I do things related to just me so um, that's kind of nice that Michael dreamy blue eyes or not you know <laughs> got the right uh, forever you yeah, know. it's a privilege yep but uh, okay so with, with that that's a good segue into mm-hmm. kind of just uh, breaking down how I got completely into a Kissaholic and, and, and obsessed mm-hmm. and you know, there's some people who get in on the 70s, etc. Sure. Well, I was I was 18 when Revenge hit the streets mm-hmm. and got it the first day, and then from there I started going back to checking out Hot in the Shade. I did mm-hmm. the Exposed video, and that's right. my next question for the Exposed yep. video. And you know, I just love the bigger than life, everything, and silliness right, of it. Right. Now, who cut and pasted your head? <laughs> I'm glad on, you noticed on that, that. On yeah. that out on that cover. Yeah. Well, you know, Why were you not there? What was the deal? Like, yeah, was, of, was of Eric course, Eric and Ka- Eric Carr and myself were there. Okay, no, we were filming, you know, this this wacky script that had very little of us in it. Yeah. Um, and and you have to really, you know, put your time capsule kind of hat on, you know, to know video, uh, even that's going to come out on a VHS tape, was extremely new then mm-hmm. and exciting. People, oh, I can actually buy something that my favorite band did, and and you know what I mean. And I think for Gene and Paul, it was like in, an incredible opportunity for them to showboat in front of the camera. And they you know, did. <laughs> yeah. Gene already, you knew that he wanted to be in film and right, TV, right. and he started to do things yep. predating that video. Paul, I think, certainly considered it, but I don't think he was aggressive about it as, as, as Gene. But so there you go, a very, in a very heavy-handed way f- to further their own agendas, the two of them... Uh, really took charge of this thing since the money was there from the label yep. mm-hmm. and this fantasy life of being a rock star was presented to the fans I had my couple of me- you know meager lines which right. were pretty funny Bruce is this the documentary yes edit her out oh. edit her out edit her out and there was a bevy of very hot women oh, running yeah. around they were all hired through some sort of agency yeah. through the you know people involved uh, that, that knew how to film us and, um, you know... Uh, How long did the band stay there all together in the house together? Um, we probably shot, and nobody lived there, of course, and they made it like it was Paul's house, right. although, you know, he always has had lovely homes. But, right. you know, yeah. it, if you're going to have all that commotion going on, you're not doing it in your own house, you know. <laughs> yeah. But but in L.A., you know, everything's make-believe anyway, so, you know, they That's rented it. a nice place, sure, sure. and they had that crazy guy with the eye that goes this way, you know. Yeah. Uh, but... 
I think there were lots of opportunities for photos. I, of course, got the photos with, with Eric with the monkey. You know what I mean? And I, actually, that was with my camera, you know, and they realized whoever was covering it really didn't cover enough to realize for the package it would be great to have a lot of photos. Sure. Okay? So Gina, part, right? I think when Gene and Paul auditioned the women, uh, and again, they all came from like some porn agency, okay? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, which is ridiculous. I know the girl I was chasing was some Brazilian porn star, okay? Yeah, I recognize some. <laughs> right, there you go. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah, you didn't say that. But all I know is we weren't there when that photo happened, okay? And they wanted to use it badly, so they had enough shots of like Eric and I. So they literally, back in then that was a popular job, the guys who used to have to cut and paste. Yeah. It was before no Photoshop, Photoshop Adobe, yeah. no Photoshop, right? Scissors and glue. So, and it's interesting, you do know it, but I've mentioned it lots of times when I've signed the product because it's been on even Laserdisc and yeah. stuff. I go, you know, we were chopped in there. You know, they go, really? You know what I mean? So, yeah. so uh, you, you know, they pulled it off, like, okay? Like yeah, no, no, but it's it's very lame. I wish I was there. It would have been a nice shot. Exactly. You know? But anyway, <laughs> so you, you are right about that, though. All right, confirmed, yes. 100%. See, this guy walks into a doctor's office with a frog on his head. The frog says, what's wrong with you? And the doctor says, it started with a bum on my ass. You know, I blew that one. I did. <laughs> What did the doctor say to the frog? Guy walks into a doctor's office with a frog on his head. The doctor says, what's wrong with you? The frog says, it started with a bump on my ass. On the shade. Yes. And that one, I I know it's, it's I think it's underrated. I was actually talking about it. I agree. About it, too. I think there's some, and it's, it's kind of funny. I, I read your, the commentary, right. I guess, on your right. songs. And yep. Loves a Slap in the Face has always mm-hmm. been one of my favorite songs. Mm-hmm. I think it's a good Gene song. You didn't realize the it was a drum machine, awesome. though, huh? I didn't realize yeah. it was a drum machine until yeah. it got pointed out. Then I was like, how did I not know that was a nah, drum machine? Yeah, because you're not listening to that. You were listening to a song, and that doesn't, and it doesn't really yeah. matter. And it was, you know? part of it was, it's Kiss. Yes. Why would you have a drum machine? You know, well, I did make a kind of Eric kind of. I, I made a point about it. No, I wasn't being vicious about it. It's just, yeah. But it's the way it went down, and I know it, it, it bothered Eric, of course. But but either way, uh, it's not to ruin the enjoyment of the song. And actually, I was um, pleasantly surprised with Hot in the Shade after yeah. going a track by track. At the time, yeah. I was kind of like, do we really need 15 songs? Right. But Gene and Paul were the both producing, and they compromised by. Right. No, I'll give you this one if you give me that one. Almost, I guess. But yeah. none of you know. Look, there's some great stuff with Hot in the Shade, especially um, uh, Hide Your Heart and Forever, and um, even Cadillac Rise Dreams. to It and Cadillac. Yeah. I didn't, you know, kind of like Dream. It's, it's funny yeah. Yeah. because Cadillac Dreams. Silver Spoon, I like. Yeah, yeah. Cadillac Dreams gets a mm-hmm. love Silver Spoon, but like Cadillac Dreams gets slogged a lot. I have no idea why. I picked on Gene about that one. Yeah, I actually said to him. I really don't like this song, but I, <laughs> and, and he goes, okay, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah, I, I wasn't telling him not to do it, but to yeah. me, it just seemed a little uh, left, you know, a left turn, but I think he was getting into like adamant or something, somebody, in it, right? yeah, there was something yeah. different going on there sure. that I didn't understand, I mean, look at his solo record when he finally yeah, put out Asshole, was, was very interesting, yeah, definitely. Um, odd, I mean, I like the tracks that Eric and I worked on with him, but, right. but the other stuff was odd, you know, so, yeah, um, so anyway, Anyway, you know, look, and, and every record's going to have their... It's not for the artist to decide which is the good track or not, you know. And being a band in the same way that the Beatles had very varied material on every record. Right. Uh, and some people, oh, I prefer the Lennon songs, or really, Harrison has the best songs on this, or I love Ringo, you know, whatever yeah, it is. Right. So it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's probably too one to bring up upon the shade is, you know, that's not something that people know, you know. A lot of them, you know, every single minute of the album production. Mm-hmm. So, like, how bad was the financial situation, or that, or what was the decision? I guess leading. Mm-hmm. 
oh, the, into like when you I know that you went went you know full full out on Crazy Nights with the, the right with Neverson and everything production, yeah. but there wasn't a, a a bad situation for Kiss about Hot in the Shade. What happened was there was a, a, a climate of change in the music business where doing things a little more rough and ready seemed to be more popular. Okay, mm-hmm. and I do think that. Once the demos started coming out good at a demo studio, they didn't want to bother to move into the fancy place. You know, I, I'm and I'm you know I can't you know just like take a, a time machine back to that year and see how I was feeling or what mindset exactly they were into, but uh, it, they knew that it wasn't really going to sacrifice. And even the idea of keeping the drum machine instead of recutting it for Eric was solely based on it sounds good like this we like it you know what i mean is is that a fair enough excuse to leave it maybe maybe not yeah. but but it wasn't like the band didn't right. have the money or right. they were trying to save the money so um i did take a little offense to um i didn't really care if we weren't in a in a fancier studio because i really liked the guy who ran this place right. this guy pat was great great uh, pat reagan was a very nice guy hard worker very very uh, easy for us to be creative with so uh, in that way that was I, I bet him also being the owner of that studio was a lot of the reason why we just stayed there yeah because as soon as you go somewhere else everything changes you know what I mean so both right. of them were doing demos there both of them were happy with what they were getting right this guy's getting it alright yeah. we used some tricks we used some drum machines he did some programming you know things like yeah, that yeah. so we just stayed that course but to say it had anything to do with finances no it just had to do with well, we went that route, and, you know, why don't we just do this? Maybe, you know, right. who knows? Maybe maybe being more um, rough and ready with it will make it uh, better. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. You know, Because they just kind of threw it at the wall, and it, it seemed a lot more true than some of the other, I mean, in the more just straight-up mm-hmm. um, zone. And oh, any other stuff from that specific album that kind of... Uh, I just thought that... Um, we worked at it. I just was surprised that we were finishing 15. Okay. Right. But then again, a CD can hold all that material, you know? So, exactly. uh, why not? Right. Who knew that later they'd want to release it on vinyl again? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And back then, that was like a real teetering point. We probably put it out on vinyl, but vinyl was probably really yep. starting to like fall off the map already. So, CDs were everything in the late 80s for sure. I had it on you tape. Know? Oh, really? Yeah, okay. Because I, I, I had the Sony. Yeah, Walk click right. Yeah, the actual right. By the way, tape's coming back now. Metallica just put out that cassette. You know, go figure. Yeah. <laughs> now it's the number one cassette. Of course. <laughs> I don't think it has a lot of competition, though. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Lars wins another. We had a really successful tour. Right, with Forever Once a Hit. Yep. Yeah. And uh, I know then we were managed by Larry Mazur, who's still a dear friend of mine, uh, who was involved with Cinderella and, and, and Nelson and other bands of the of the hair band generation. Uh-huh. Sure, you know. sure. Um, 
you know, I think it was really wise that we had Winger and Slaughter most of the time. They were getting really hot on MTV and right, everything, right. you know. So it was a good package, yeah. and that was a long tour. And uh, and I really think by the time we needed to do Revenge, um, first we were asked to do a song for a uh, movie, you know, Bill and Ted's, yep. mm-hmm. the, the, the sequel to the first one. Yep. And that, that was the litmus test for Ezrin. Okay. Uh, Bob had a great career, of course, with Kiss, but the first album, Destroyer, was an obvious smash that he was very influential on. The second one being The Elder, which was a little bit crazy. Yeah. Even though uh, it, it's a good record, but it's odd. Um, and I think they wanted to blame it more on him than everything else. I wasn't around there, so yeah, then, right. you know, maybe rightfully so. But either way, uh, that one song... Uh, was produced by him and it was a, a remake cover uh, and God Gave Rock and Roll to You was an incredible track and that right. and that cemented Ezrin's position to produce the new record which I was thrilled about Right, he's gotten a lot of press just recently speaking out about the record business uh, or the industry as as we know it mm-hmm. um, because it's it's been so decimated in many ways so uh, um, I still keep in touch with Bob and I, that was a great experience do it I'd prefer when Kiss is produced, even if yeah. in the end it's not your favorite record. But but at least for me, um, I, I like. I know that Gene and Paul always have a point of view, and sometimes they don't always agree. So then there's sometimes compromises because of it. Even though they have an amazing working relationship, mm-hmm. right? Let's not criticize that. Look, right. at the, look at the success. But but the key here is an outside person. Uh, isn't going to be swayed too much by yeah. that 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 inner dynamic, you know. Kind and even if one's yeah, even if one is a little more buddy buddy with one than the other, which is usually what happens too, uh, there's still that they're they're not in the band, yeah. you know. But that's why for me, uh, I'll always mention Revenge as being my favorite experience yeah. with recording with Kiss. It was a long period of time. Ezrin gave me many many tasks and. Uh, and I, I knew I was dealing with like a mad professor, you know. This guy, there's no, there's no mystery that he was involved with some amazing things. He's super oh, yeah. talented. He's he is a bit eccentric at times, but that's okay. Yeah. You know, uh, with all um, great talents, there's there's some, uh, you know, quirks that they, they that they seem to have, you know. But I, I, I really learned a lot working with Bob. Really did. Now, did you ever pull Gene aside during that and? You know, like on Prisoner Love and, and Cadillac Dreams, which gave a little bit of feedback <laughs> about uh, the, the the Spinal Tap reference. In no, I'm sure he was aware of it, but you I don't think, think he, he cared. Was? Yeah, okay. uh, right. I, and if he wasn't, I'd you know we're Kiss. But they, you know, so what? <laughs> you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> Hot damn, blood above, want a lot of woman with a lot of love. What they ever seen, but it's plain to see. It don't mean spit to me. Yeah. 
No, that Revenge, like sonically, is just that I used to wear the thing out on headphones and just great, great record, amazing. Yeah. All the, yeah. the guitar. That's my favorite guitar work by mm-hmm. here. Just happens to be. And there was a real point of view that the guitars would be really, uh, you know, very vicious if necessary, right. and. Yep. Uh, I, I did get, do as much creatively as I could to make it memorable. I knew how to double myself. I could, um, you know, whatever Bob threw at me. Right. You know, and it was almost like doing a Beatle album because I see him play around with gear the way the Beatles would experiment. Sure. Uh, and, okay. and I was like, why are you distorting the c- compressor? Check it out. You know what I mean? I hear it by itself. doesn't sound good. Then c- in the track, yeah. you know, that guitar part with the other mm-hmm. one, I'm like, that sounds great. Yeah. You know, again, these 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 kind of like very creative um, uh, you know techniques to, right. to to do things really 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 special. So um, again, I, uh, that was a great experience. I, I have a, actually a follow up to Revenge. If one, one one question actually. Um, car jam, mm-hmm. uh, guitar car jam, phenomenal. Thank That's, you. It's just and it's awesome. It's a great tribute to, to mm-hmm. Eric Carr, obviously when, when he passed. On your on your blog again or on your website, mm-hmm. you talked about how you were in there the next day. After Eric's, yeah, funeral. we flew back, and whatever the next day to work, we're yeah. back in the studio. Yeah, what was it? That was so. It was just we got we got to get this down. Yeah, and it was just pressure pressure on. How well, did you come up with, I mean, how did you kind of do it? Once I realized, once they realized that they wanted to add that to the record because they did have those tapes, even though it was something from the past that that Ace was involved in too. Right, but the drum solo would be perfect as a you know tribute to Eric. Um, I'm glad I didn't know the song too much in the, yeah. in the earlier version. Or any remake of it. So for me, I was really fresh on it. And, you know, I'll be honest, and I think I've said it before, but it's true. You know, that was devastating for everybody, you know, emotionally. So to, to work and play your instruments and be creative and do something like a tribute, um, you know, it, it, it wasn't... That was that was good therapy. Yeah. That's so good. I did enjoy... Yeah playing the guitar I remember it was just my old Les Paul plugged into the Marshall there aren't a lot of you know crazy pedals or wacky sounds it was very straight ahead and uh, I did my my guitar riffs you know and um came out really good it's it's tight mm-hmm. i mean it's, especially for instrumental sometimes right. i can go one right. way or the other sure it's just, sure sure it's always awesome Great i mean if i could think of a band it. it would be like i would think moby dick you know from yeah, from zeppelin yeah you know I mean? yeah so it's guitar and drums and the drummer's gonna go wild you know so uh I, it was great to add that to the record that was good yeah. mm-hmm. and that actually is is rob and i's first concert was revenge okay mm-hmm. and cool. we saw you in fort wayne fort wayne fort, fort wayne, wayne indiana Lined up as the day of general admission shows, mm-hmm. and it was in the winter. That, it was cold. I can't remember that time period. Yeah, we 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 did tour late in the year. That yeah, time. yeah, it was, it was definitely yeah. cold. But like ninety two to ninety five. Mm-hmm. Not to take away from anybody else, I think you guys were the live were the tightest unit. I, I don't disagree all, with that. I bet you don't. <laughs> but there, look, there were a lot of great years with right. a car. But there was something about uh, once we got Eric in the band, Eric Singer, and and we had that revenge record because that was really Eric's introduction too sure. to mm-hmm. recording with Kiss. Um, we we had this. Uh, uh, I guess there was a, a new vibe and 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 a hunger to to be great and then to celebrate some of the old material as sure. well. We we actually dug. Uh, into the past a little more than I did during the other years and and Eric being a big Kiss fan actually by nature Eric Singer he went to see them you know when they came to Cleveland yeah. you know what I mean yeah. so um, all of a sudden we're doing you know like She or Watching You oh, you man. know and, it was the and, greatest set list yeah. everything that was great yeah. about your era right about that and then so I, I was excited to um, 
bring it up a notch. It's not like I have a favorite one, but I did. I do most of the time. Um, well, if I'm if I'm trying to show somebody some arrangements from uh, the Asylum record, it will be more likely versions live with Eric Carr. Okay. Okay. But but the later stuff, if we're going, you know. Uh, then it's usually from a live three or some of the, the cool bootlegs that I have with Eric Singer and myself. Right. And, okay. and there's some really, you know, uh, great gigs that we used to do. I, I was very, very proud of that band. Well, live three kind of shows that. And so yeah. does Unplugged, you know. That was the four of us. Yeah. And then, of course, the special uh, couple tracks that had the uh, the other guys, you know. Yeah. But, yeah, great band. You know, and look, it, it didn't come to an end because we weren't a great band. It sure. came to an end because of that cycle of culture and of the, the idea that... Old as now. Yeah, and, and the fact that um, if they didn't do it then, I'm not sure like how much you know longer they could have waited. So I understood it, even though you know it was hard for me. But, you know, exactly. I got it. And so that kind of segues into the fact that I told you that it was the tightest, for me, mm-hmm. version of the band, is when I was waiting for Live 3 to come out, and I found out later, you know, that parts, just like a lot of the way, things are, are mm-hmm. cleaned up and whatnot. But I was like, why? Mm-hmm. Why would you even clean it up? Because I've seen bootleg, you know, they have the bootleg on Kistory and stuff mm-hmm. like that of, of the show. And it was exactly as I remember. And I think back a lot of times, I'm like, I think that was that was one of the best concerts what performed, just straight. It was just great. So mm-hmm. what was the decision, I guess? There are certain tracks that I guess are all, this is only information yeah, 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 that's yeah. out there. Right. And, you know, like, mm-hmm. uh, I guess... Um, some tracks were just redone in, in the studio. Oh, the cleaning up. I, I thought you meant up. we did something X-rated and we were cleaning it up. Okay, okay, <laughs> oh, now I get it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'll be honest that that I know most of my stuff didn't need to be touched up. Right. There were certain things that weren't recorded properly that needed to be looked at. Um, generally, um, we didn't have the crowd sounding as proper as we needed. Mm-hmm. And we did have a great crowd. And right. then when you're listening to the tapes and where's the crowd noise, you know what I mean? And it's right. like anemic sounding because it wasn't recorded yeah. well. You know, I love Eddie Kramer and maybe live records aren't his thing. I mean, I don't have to, um, I, you know, I, I, he's an amazing, you know, engineer producer. He sure. did, he did Hendrix and, and Zeppelin mm-hmm. and, of course, some Kiss stuff. But that live record, there were just some things that didn't happen right. So I know that we did need to, to touch up some things and put it together a bit. Um, but I, I think it was done well because, it, you know, and I was there a lot for the mixing. I wanted to be there. Same thing for Unplugged. I wanted to be there. Yeah. And, um, you know, it, it's still, I have original tapes that it was taken to from, rather, or meaning, I remember we, we, yeah, we recorded three shows. And I know most of it's either Indy or Cleveland, actually, what it turned out to be. Yeah. But, but these board mixes are not, you know, it's not like, they, it's a world of difference. Again, it's a board mix, so it doesn't right. have... You can't put out a board mix because, you know, you, you get the moves from the mixer. You don't really get what it right. sounds like in the crowd. Sure. But uh, I don't think a lot was repaired, but I do know there was a lot of issues with the uh, um, crowd noise, some of the drum things, although Eric never redid the drums. But um, I might have actually touched up a couple of guitar things, maybe some vocal things, some introductions maybe needed mm-hmm. to be done. But it's a long time ago, so I don't really remember. <laughs> just, I, I, I was just kind of shocked because yeah. of all the times I needed some cleaning up. It didn't seem like that was the no, and the and time, and out on. I know for a fact that, and I can't swear to everything that was or wasn't done. But I right. can tell you, it was less than what was done. Other ones on a live one and two, and <laughs> yeah. I wasn't around then. But right. I, I I've just heard things that like, oh yeah, we did this to that. You know, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what they did. Exactly. Although those records. 
they defined Kiss in that generation. Right. So even I was, you know, like, whoa, you know, listen to this. You know, yeah, I, I prefer yeah. those versions to a lot of the studio stuff. Yeah, all, all of the studio so, stuff. So, right. you know, and anytime anyone um, wants to say to me, you know, oh, I love Alive 3, and I've gotten that a lot, I never feel, like, guilty in the, in the least, you yeah. know, as if, like, oh, I, oh, we fooled you. No, I mean... Um, I'm, I'm always like, thanks, because I, I'd say 95% of, of what I believed I played and Eric played and, and even probably the bass, just maybe some of the vocal stuff was touched up, yeah. is, is, is from the performance, you know? Sure, sure. big fan of your solo albums too BK3 being my favorite thank you happens to be the favorite but you know that my, if I had to put my second on the list I would say that my favorite solo album by you is Carnival of Souls <laughs> uh, you're cheating there because it's a Kiss album <laughs> I know that yeah, but, yeah, but, I know but I know, you wrote know. so much yeah but but again you know I was I was fortunate to be very creative in a mode that they were looking for riffs they wanted a darker uglier meaning, meaner revenge okay sure. mm-hmm. So I've told this a million times, but it's true. Well, if you like that record, you could thank me because I my create creativity at the time was pretty good by by doing darker, uglier, meaner riffs, you know, and and feeding them, you know, yeah. both Gene and Paul. Uh, but honestly, uh, and if you hate it, but that's what they wanted. Exactly. Don't blame me, okay? I mean, <laughs> so I know there's a guy, there's a guy that just wrote my my uh, my website, you know, that my my merch girl will take care of. I, Carnival Soul is my favorite record. He's from Ireland, you know, and he's going to sure. send the uh, the album in to have me sign and ship it back. You know that yeah. that one product. I mean, you know, it costs money to ship and 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 all that, but that's what it means to him. You see what I mean? Yeah. And I get that. Uh, I'm I'm proud of the record, even though I I, I do think it could have been mixed better. But there was a lot of stress going 100%. on there. Yeah. Uh, Toby was under a lot of a grief from more Gene than Paul. Paul was already the. The reunion's going to happen, so no, you know, whatever. Yeah. His, his attention was distracted, right. you know, uh, and there wasn't much I could do to save it. You know, Gene would come in there and, in a heavy-handed way, wait a minute, you know, turn up the faders, like, you know, it's like, uh. so. I think it was really hard for Toby to keep control. Um, but anyway, the, the vibe of the record is not like it's the worst sounding album, but I just know that it, it could be mixed better. Um, but I'm, I'm proud of some of it, uh, even more than some other things. But uh, it was an interesting time for the yeah. band. Absolutely. For me, uh, imagine this. Here I am. Wow, now I got nine co-writes on a Kiss yeah. album. Wow. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm not in the band anymore. Oh, what happened? Uh, yeah. Oh, you, you know what I mean? So it was yeah. like, I'm, I'm standing tall, and now you pulled the rug out. Right. You know what I mean? But... Uh, nothing was intentional it, it was it was um, uh, business it was business and I do think that they weren't throwing me a bone by having me co-write that much the formula for that record at that time was to, to have those dark yeah. riffs and the fact that I'm the lead guitar player who was you know fooling around with it. I was going through a lot of personal things at the time that I was only happy when I was playing the guitar so I'd set up my drum machine make a beat tune down or whatever, and I'd come up with riffs. Yeah. So I worked hard 
So that's how that happened. I Walk Alone, I can't even tell you how many versions of that song I worked on, how many demos, how many times I... The backwards... Yeah, worked on it, yeah. yeah I did solo. I did a million things. I didn't intend to sing the song, but uh, I worked on it and worked on it and worked on it. Uh, and, and every time I'd bring it to Gene, you know, we then we'd make another revision, and he was really excited about it. But Toby saw that, like, no, Bruce has got to sing that. Because I sang the demo just because yeah. I, I redid the demo so many times, there was no way that uh, I could ask, here, Gene, now sing it. You yeah. know what I mean? And I didn't have the multi-track with his voice changing the backing, you sure. know. The arrangements kept changing in a very crude way. I was quite creative considering I'm using a, a, a Sony Pro cassette machine to my Akai 12 track to transfer over to, to add things. Yeah, then flipping the tape to do backwards things and grabbing that and placing it in. I'm not cutting things. I'm just like, you know, I was doing crazy things, but not impossible to recreate once we got to the big studio, okay. fortunately. Oh. And, and uh, it actually... Uh, even surpassed my expectations you know, with what I was able to help create because that was like for me you know a tip of the hat to Hendrix and, and Queen and, and bands like that sure. and, and Gene was I, I was very very uh, impressed how uh, creative he wanted to get to with it you know so uh, it was a good good experience for me and I don't mind that it was like the only song I sang in Kiss and, right. and my last statement in Kiss it was a very fitting actually. yeah and I don't Just recently had on Decibel Geek a they do this thing called Albums Unleashed where they mm-hmm. sit down with a producer. Right. And they actually had Toby Wright there. Okay, yeah, yeah. It, you know, I didn't follow all that and I, I've had a couple people tell me okay. I have to listen to that. I save the uh, the info. Yeah. Because I know he talks about the uh, Carnival Souls a lot in depth, right? He does, mm-hmm. but his and that's why I was asking you this if you had a better recollection. Mm-hmm. His recollection is kind of I just heard the song again. Now I remember about this and right, things right. like that. But That's why I got to listen. I yeah, see yeah. He might spark some memories for <laughs> right. me too. Yeah. So, but his vibe was, or his memory was that mm-hmm. when they when the call came in, mm-hmm. that you know we're getting the band back together and, and everything within the studio, that they basically left you to kind of finish it. I think it was kind of the, the vibe. Well, was, you had so much involvement in it that it was like we got to do, we got to start this. Well, at a certain point. That's like half true, okay. uh, and I don't think it was intentional. It's just they kept it real quiet. They were negotiating with um, Ace and Peter's representatives by the end of MTV, probably sure. even during the actual making of MTV. Because even though I don't know this as a fact, it's it's pretty clear from when I add up all the pieces of the puzzle, is that yeah, Ace and Peter wanted to do a reunion tour badly and weren't going to be so agreeable about Unplugged. 
which MTV was insisting on mm-hmm. having Ace mm-hmm. and Peter involved, right. unless they were able to make a decision that how could they make that a reality, yeah. meaning to actually tour in makeup and do that. And right. once everything was ironed out, which was not easy, okay, and again, completely, I'm in the dark, okay, so is Eric Singer, uh, but they want to make that happen because there's big money on the stakes, the people that are trying to make it happen. Yeah. MTV is going to get the score of Unplugged with the reunion, sure. and then and then here you go, everybody can, like Star Wars, relive something, you know, after it's been gone yeah, all those years, right. you know. So um, by the time that they were willing to talk to Eric and I and explain what was going to happen, we were a little more than halfway, almost three quarters, done with the record. Gotcha. So the meat and potatoes of the record, we were all there. Everybody was doing their job. Nobody was thinking about the reunion tour. They may have had some phone calls on break, or they may have had contracts on their desks back right. at their homes. Okay. Once that was the 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 the, the beans were spilled, as they say, and we have our conversation, which I totally got. There was a commitment and money spent to record a record, so it's not like we're stopping the record because right, of the reunion right. tour. Right. But yeah, their 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 focus because they had a lot to deal with because now they knew it was full tilt. Okay, right. see full tilt. See, yeah, full Kiss tilt. is going to put on the makeup. <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's the lovely kitchen staff here at the yes. uh, at the beautiful Waldorf Astoria on Key West. Anyway, um, at that point, I mean, really, there was probably just lead stuff left and maybe some vocal things and right. the finishing touches of the record and then the mixes. Right. Of course I was going to be there. Yeah. You know, and if it meant both of them weren't there, we yeah. carried on because Gene trusted me and so did Paul. And yeah, Paul was bringing, oh, let me see if the boots fit. You know, and he's trying them on at the right. studio. Oh, you know what right. I mean? I'm kind of like, <laughs> brought them in. you know, I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, but you know, look, yeah, <laughs> I was supportive because they weren't, you know, saying, all right, in, in two weeks your paycheck ends. You know what I mean? They were very clear that they were going to take care of Eric and I for a year. And, and, and really, they didn't know what was going to happen. I mean, obviously, once they put tickets on sale and started selling out, yeah. but what if, what if Ace or Peter went, you know, completely rogue? Yeah. Then what do they have? Yeah. Yep. So they knew to keep this thing, you know, kind of like solid and, and, uh, and, and still have Eric and I as, as, as you know, uh, something that they can fall back yeah, on yeah, if they had the to, which was smart of them, and and obviously a, a, bet, a better cushion for me mm-hmm. and, and Eric, so that we can get into the next you know phase of our careers, you know. Yeah. So I can't really take all that credit. Uh, it's just I was there, and um, certainly up until that point, uh, Gene and Paul were dedicated. Yeah. Mm. After that, it got a little bit distracting. Right. And I think for Toby, even though he got it too, uh, who can blame them? to try this you know and 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 they were right because it became hu- hugely successful um but you know the the uh focus wasn't quite the same right that changed yeah did it and did it take uh time after it you know when you're like let go i guess you know that we're going to go in this direction mm-hmm. to like process the entire experience and been like well it's that was that and now I've got to move on. I kind of, to be honest, I almost. I, I always feared the reunion because I knew Ace and Peter would have loved to be in the band. Right. Um, so for me, it wasn't as shocking. It was what's for Eric. Eric Singer didn't think Peter could play, and um, and and he was wrong because Peter didn't do horribly at all. Yeah. You know. Um, so for me, uh, I was kind of 
always in the back of my mind. I was shocked I got 12 years out of it, if you get what I mean. Yeah, right. So yep. right. Um, it wasn't a, too much of a shock, um, but I, I knew that I'd have to start from the bottom again, in a sense, which is what I did with John Karabi with Union. So let's go into your, your solo albums. Mm-hmm. If you could kind of break down, because I know Rob has le- less of a threshold for instrumentals, but mm-hmm. but, but, but I, I like instrumentals in general, but... I try to keep the, it melodic, the instrumentals. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. What is the art of... Because I love uh, Paradise mm-hmm. and uh, Monster Island. Right. What's the art of not making an instrumental... Well, there's a... Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, too, too much of a wank fest, okay? Correct. <laughs> yep. yep. Uh, look at me, look at me, look at me. Yeah, that's a riff. Yeah, yeah, Eric exactly. sings that very well. Anyway... <laughs> I'll, I'll give you just the, the, the backstory on the three records because they all have an evolution of myself. Okay, Audio Dog. By the time Union ended, I, I realized I want to do a solo record. You know, I mean, it's not so much that we all like broke up the band. It's just we hit that wall where we didn't know what what we could do. Mm-hmm. You know, because um, we just did it all, and um, I had a lot of leftover material that I showed Kiss that didn't I didn't get to I mean Old Man Wise for Union was something left over from Gene and I okay yeah I just want to jump in well, how did you get connected to Kurt and Kurt Cuomo was someone I met through there's so many songs um, right uh, Kurt I met through Paul Stanley because Kurt um, and Paul wrote some things when Paul was you know uh, kind of dabbling in just being like writing songs mm-hmm. not necessarily for Kiss you know right. to have like a catalog because that was very popular then and there were publishing deals and sure. people that would put you together with different people and somehow Kurt and him got along and uh, that's how I met him and I got involved with Kurt I asked Kurt to help out with the Union record you know uh, and then past that I realized the first solo record obviously Kurt could help me too so I recorded it at his studio uh, but that all all the material from that started with uh, stuff in the closet that were left over I remember Gene liking this music, but we never developed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. What do I do with it? Yeah, right. And then a few of them were obvious that I wanted to be able to sing, and some were just like, I hear a melody for this. This could be my way of doing a Joe Satriani. No, I'm not Joe Satriani. He's even more, he, he, he's really technically amazing, but still, yeah. give it a theme thing, you know, and, and then, you know, play fancy things. And so, so, I, I, I didn't have a formula, but I did have a, 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 an instinct as to what song should be instrumental and what song do I have to sing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I was being brave coming out. I realized, well, I sang I Walk Alone, and, you know, I, don't, I think, the, you know, nobody complained. The, the Kiss fans reacted. So I'll sing uh-huh. some of these, you know. So, yeah, yeah. so then I moved forward and, and started to write more uh, lyric things, uh-huh. and, and I was proud of Audio Dog. I think it was a great reflection of me having this attitude if I have to sell it from the trunk of my car that's what I used to say <laughs> little did I know that DIY kind of thing was yep. was really was the future of, of business stage yeah. at that point yeah and I didn't look for a record deal I didn't ask anybody to help I funded it myself recorded it with Kurt started printing a thousand another thousand another right. thousand I probably sold close to ten thousand of that thing through so those died. years yeah. which was amazing that's on the website right yeah. and, and then I did I did uh, dis- distribute it to some there were, there were more of that back then mm-hmm. in 2002 uh, 2001 than there is now but that's what I did okay uh, Transformer I realized oh two years went by and I'm busy with Grand Funk traveling all around America and I'm just like hmm let me write this well let me write this you know and I, I just sure. started writing started writing the lyrics on the planes keep me busy uh, I knew I could sing this you know whatever and I pushed myself again to, to get in the studio that one I asked uh, John to sing a song on yep and um, and there's Transformer 
Okay. Um, by the time I was finished with that is when I met this, this young guy, uh, Jeremy Rubolino, who's actually related to Ezrin, who was a huge KISS fan that I knew he worked with Brett Michaels and a few other people in L.A. and a young guy at the time. And he wanted to get involved with Transformer, but I was already, you know, like getting ready to master it or whatever. Okay. So I said, well, when I'm ready to start writing again, we'll get together. So I started working on with him on BK3. Now, I didn't know it would take us like four years to, to write it and put it out. But I didn't know that. Yeah, part. I started actually writing songs in 06. It took that oh, long. Wow. But there was a whole process with it and the touring and the working, you know, prevented. And then we cut some things that we didn't finish. Excuse me. One of those actually wound up on on iTunes. You know, as the bonus track. Okay, okay. I, I did get to finish it uh, about a year ago when I put it out uh, up there. But um, BK3, he was pushing me to reach out to other people. You know, mm-hmm. like I, I didn't have to trick Gene. Uh, it was very natural. Even Eric said, "You should ask Gene." And then Gene's like throwing Nicket at me. You know, his son. You know, yeah. so. There was there was a really long non-methodical process yeah. <laughs> to um, you know creating the special guests sure. you know to, to go beyond just having my buddy John sing a song so all of a sudden you have a Doug Feiger from the Knack and then uh, Tobias Samet from mm-hmm. you know these famous German band Ed Guy and Avantasia and then uh, Steve Lukather to jam solos with me on the one instrumental okay mm-hmm. uh, so uh, y- you know it was a real process and I like that it was an evolution to it my, my biggest challenge now is like and I'll just throw a title out there it doesn't mean I'm going to call it BK4 but thinking of right. the fourth solo record what am I going to do is it going to be more of the same or is it going to be a complete left turn I don't know yet I know I have some material that I really love that I do want to finish that I feel could be you know a start of a record, you know, sure. and there's plenty of other songs on my iPhone that uh, I've recorded that I know there's a song there, and I just got to get to work. Right. But the only breaks I put on it was putting the vinyl out was obviously a big deal, okay? It took a while to uh, uh, have it manufactured, and the artwork was a pleasure, of course, with the same guy who did it for me on the uh, dig- Digipack. And I only started shipping it like two weeks ago. And it's been crazy, actually, you know, because there was a huge flurry of orders. It's doing great, and I'm very proud of it. And and sonically, I was thrilled when I got the test pressing. And and I'm hoping in the future I could do um, vinyl for the other product, too, you know. But the the other news that's also interesting that's kept me from having the time. Look, a trip to Australia takes months to arrange, but then you're gone for two weeks, you know, and then I'm back on the road with Grand Funk, and then I'm selling the BK3. And, and now I've been doing a lot of stuff regarding this other project called KKB. It's my first band. Um, I was 20. Uh, we weren't called anything, but we rehearsed our asses off and recorded some very progressive cream meets yes, I call it, okay. uh, kind of material. Uh, my buddy Mike, uh, who I grew up with on, in, in Jackson Heights, where, where I lived then in Queens, mm-hmm. wrote the majority of the songs and sang, and he plays incredible bass got a great rock voice and I did put out a limited run when I first found the tape okay back in 2008 the joy of re-releasing it in 2015 is the fact that he found the original tapes so now we can really remix them properly okay. uh, they're at the right speed they're at a higher quality and now I can give it a little more effect yeah. that it sounds much more professional but then I wouldn't do that without we gotta write a new song so the idea of a new song was like a big chore. So um, many trials and tribulations later, killer new song called Got to Get Back, and that will be the title of the record, because I like that it's 
kind of related to the yeah. fact that I'm getting back to putting out something from 40 years, but now in a better way than I did the first time. Because yeah. the first time was literally, I even showed it on the packaging when I did this limited run in 08, only for my website. You know, there was a picture of the realistic audio tape, which is like Radio right. Shack. By the way, the stuff wasn't on Radio Shack tape. It was on better tape than that. But my copy was on Radio Shack. Yeah. And when I, I mean, Mike knew that I was releasing it back then. And I said to him, I said, do, do you have the tapes? Do you have anything? No, I can't find anything. Well, last year he found everything. You see what I mean? Actually, next week, it's exciting. I'll be ordering them. I decided to do, again, a limited edition. Okay. And I'm going to add in, a, a, I just ordered the picks. They're on their way, guitar pick, you know. Nice. And then I'm, I'm looking at them, not 100% yet, but I'm looking at a download card so that this way they're also getting that opportunity to put it on their computer. Put it, sure. They don't have to burn it themselves. Yeah. Even though I think my fans love physical, but it is going to be a six panel, gatefold, mm-hmm. digipack kind of thing. And I'm looking at a photo card because I really would like a little, them to have a souvenir yeah. from it too. And then the flip side would be the real story of why KKB needs to be released in 75. You know, okay. I mean, the discovery of the tapes, you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the new song. And what's really funny about the new song is, first of all, I love it. And all my friends that have heard it freak over it. But it's just, it sounds like maybe from 40 years ago. That's what's right. weird. And it's hard uh, to do that. It's hard to put yourself in a little time capsule. You mean the production too. Yeah. I played the demo to, for Fred Corey because I wanted him to help with some of the drum, drum programming before we sent it to... Uh, guy over in France and Fred you know Cinderella drummer now he writes for TV shows and stuff and we're good friends and he got all confused he, he, he got that KKB was 40 years old but he didn't get that that was a new song yeah so when we finally had the conversation about what I wanted him to do, he goes like, all right, so this song I got, man, it's cool, 40 years old, huh? It sounds great, 40 years ago, wow. And I'm going, no, 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 that's a new song, but I need you to listen to some of the other ones, you know what I mean, just right. so he had a reference right. point, right. you know. No, no, come on, Bruce, that song's 40 years old. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He, he was insisting to me that we didn't just write it this year, you know. So anyway, um, it, it's going to be a, a great package, a limited run, it will be on my website. Uh, I'm finally excited about it. And I'll put it up on iTunes, too. Why not? Sure. Even though I, d- I don't know. You see, the, the game with all that, with iTunes and Spotify and Pandora, is once you go through one of the companies that, that, that does it, like TuneCore, CD Baby, and okay. people like that, right. um, then you're able to have them serve it everywhere. Because okay. right now, if you don't have that, we all know that streaming pays poop. Right. I still support buying music. I have to learn classic rock band stuff all the time for the for the fantasy camp mm-hmm. oh Pat Travers is the guest you know I know some of the Pat Travers songs do I own any of it no I go to iTunes I listen I go like this is good click buy buy the greatest hits buy the packet yeah. whatever and now I have it yeah is it a vinyl no did it cost did it break the bank no but that's what's unbelievable people will go yeah I'll check out your BK3 and then the fans listening on, on, on right. not iTunes he's right. listening on YouTube it's even worse. worst. I know. Thank I, you. I'm very impressed with what my uh, engineer friend, uh, Brian, who worked on BK32, did to these vintage tapes. It sounds killer. And I'm, I'm excited about that. So hopefully that, I, I will, I'll, I'll guess that by June that should be ready. She's running. She hides, but you got to get back. She's running. She hides, but you got to get back and get back and get back and get back.
I don't want to even begin a conversation about um, the 99 things that are wrong with uh, the record industry right now. It, it, it has changed. Everything's changed. How would you like to be a photographer nowadays compared to 25, 30 oh, yeah. years ago? A million photographers. Anybody that has a camera yeah. is a, a wedding photographer. And now people enjoy a concert. I realize anytime I play live, uh, if I stink fortunately um, I have a, a, a good quality control engineering in my brain and I generally play well but you get what I mean you know yeah. everyone's filming everything and you're going to see it you an know. off night yeah. look I had a great night Wednesday in Hollywood jamming at Lucky Strike which is a very happening that. thing yeah and you get to experience that believe me being there live is nothing like that and I really enjoyed it I had you know the guys learned the songs just the way I wanted them and I had a blast you can tell yeah. but but the fact that I could share that with the world that's those are the amazing things about yeah. the internet you yeah. know what I mean um, at the same time what I always do is I'm like put down your phone enjoy the yeah like, yeah be there in the, the moment, moment. exactly the other reason I would never do it is mm-hmm. somebody out there is filming it for me yeah yeah you know what I mean I, I know and it's, gonna, it be it's, it's gonna, gonna be better it's gonna be better yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no it, it's always you know it, I always have to like edit uh, anytime I see something too live that I'm, I'm like no don't use your phone take it in right now you know, yeah. and I remember the first time I had my good iPhone, I was at a SEAL concert in Argentina. Mm-hmm. No, no, I'm sorry. It was it was in Chile, in Santiago. I, I ran into the band flying from Argentina to Chile, and the guitar player was a big Kiss fan and, and knew of me, and we kind of made friends, and next thing I know, I'm front row to see SEAL. You know, right. it was great, and, right. and I like SEAL. And I'm like standing, you know, there I was, yeah, you know, yeah. th- that you was years ago already, you know, so I was, I, was, I was really guilty. I was probably four like, years oh, what ago. What am I doing? Wait a minute. Yeah. Uh, but it was great. And he's like singing right to me. You yeah. Know? So, right. we, we, you know, <laughs> there's nothing you can do. I know there's there's uh, artists like the Eagles that have complained about it and come out vocally about it. But I realize there's nothing you can do. About I went to a, uh, not, I'm a big, not a big fan of this band at all, but I went to a Tool concert mm-hmm. and they had, they actually have, you cannot take yeah, your phone out. They don't want they to. They actually have security. Yeah. Yep, that, and yep. I was like, this is kind of a jerk move. I'm like, this is a brilliant Yeah, yeah, move. yeah, yeah, yeah. And that band, you yeah. remember, their videos, you didn't see them really. No. It was always these creatures. No. So maybe exactly. they, they have a concept of how they want you to enjoy their music, you know? I guess, but it's, it was nice to not have be blocked. Yeah. Is all. Well, I'm glad I got to tell you about the KKB thing Absolutely. and BK3 Vinyl and, you know, my website and the, the Facebook is always strong and uh, my dates for the Grand Funk live gigs are always up on my site too. Yep. Because a lot of people get confused with the uh, Grand Funk site, even though you, all the dates are there, it's just they don't realize you got to go to the right and hit the scroll button. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. I've had some really smart people go like, "I only see one date." Uh, no, that's the first date of the year. That's just, just whatever. You know There's what I mean? More. That's how we're here. I, yeah, yeah I, yeah. I know how to use a website. Yeah, there you go. Thank you. That's right. Yeah, you figured it out. Good, 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 good. Well, listen, anything else you want to mention? I really, we really just, appreciate your time. Absolutely. You know, I know I, 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 I knew I'd go longer than our 30 minutes, but I, I love hearing myself talk. No. Um, <laughs> just just I, I, I do want everybody to be supportive of the bands they like. You know, that's important because, uh, um, you know, even the people that record in their bedroom, and I don't, okay, I like to go to a real studio. But, but it, it takes effort, and there's talented people that... that to do it right and, and to make the kind of music that way you're used to hearing it is, is uh, a whole, cr- not only creative, but a physical kind of, you know, um, process. And, yeah. and these good studios with the $10,000 mic right. that makes it sound really pro is important, you know what I mean, for the music. Right. So that's why I just want people to support uh, their band's product. Really appreciate your time today. No problem. Um, over the course of, jeez. More than half my life, I, I've <laughs> listened to between Kiss and Union and your solo stuff. 
it's, it's when you're down in the dumps, I just listen to some of that stuff. Excellent. It brings me up. It, it's a literally. lifestyle for you. That's good. It's <laughs> yeah. a lifestyle. Well, like the Beatles are a lifestyle. Yeah. Yep. Right. But, uh, well, enjoy, enjoy Key West here. With thank you. A little time you have, I'm sure. Go down to Duval. Try to make it enjoy. And if you want, uh, you can borrow, uh, borrow my scooter. Oh, yeah. That's fine. Oh, I can really go for some Dunkin' Donuts right now. Well, I'm here with uh, Don Jameson, a comedian from, uh, well, that metal show, obviously, a lot of people know you from. You have a a new album coming out on the 21st called Communication Breakdown on Metal Blade's Blade Records. I haven't, uh, other than mispronouncing words, I got all that right, correct? <laughs> that wasn't bad. I've, I'm, I've been doing stand-up comedy for 20 years, and I still <laughs> jumble up my words all the time. You know, yeah. it's, uh, it's just part of the gig. If you're up on stage babbling for an hour, you know, eventually you're going you're gonna to become a little dyslexic at some point, so no worries. <laughs> all right. Um, before we get into all of this, there's one thing I really wanted to touch on. I'm hoping I can get you to elaborate. Uh, I, I heard a little bit of you talking about the your distaste for, or I don't know, whatever you want to call it, disgust for the Big Bang Theory. Can you can you share with me <laughs> what, exactly what is entirely wrong with the Big Bang Theory? Because I've heard other comic comics say it too. Well, the, 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 it's this. This is what it is in a nutshell. It's just we're in the age of nerd humor, and um, you know, look, I've been a, a rock and roll guy my whole life. You know, my favorite comics are Dice, Richard Pryor, George Carlin, you know, guys who are groundbreakers, guys who always push the envelope, guys who always walk walk the edge at all times in their careers. I'm not watching nerd humor with this goofy, you know, I don't even know what kind of humor it is. Like, I don't even thank God there's a laugh track because I wouldn't even know where to laugh at some of these jokes because I'm not a... I don't go to Star Trek conventions. I don't like Star Wars. I don't like any of that stuff. So I don't get that humor. I don't like it. Um, so that's it. I mean, I, the nerd humor. And, and look, it's popular, obviously. I mean, you know, recording an album, you know, in Cuyahoga Falls, Ohio, and they're all millionaires. So what do I know? <laughs> well, if, if, they, if they needed a recurring uh, metalhead character, would you be up for it? Oh, what, are you kidding me? In a second. I've been, they'd be my favorite people in the world after that, yeah, of yeah, course. Yeah. I, you know, as you go in your career, you, you always want... I've been lucky. I've been able to do all the things I've wanted to do pretty much the way I've wanted to do them. Mm-hmm. But there is a certain... I'm 50, dude, you know? I love doing comedy. I love releasing albums, especially, you know, on a heavy metal label. But the, the truth is, man, after a while, you, you sort of go, look, I'll take one crappy sitcom just to just to get some FU money. And then and then I could just take a deep breath and relax, you know, f- for the next, you know, whatever is left of my career. Um, so, yes, I would definitely uh, be, um, be willing to take any kind of recurring role on anything. Well, uh, I'm uh, I'm all for it. So whatever show needs you, um, they got my endorsement. Uh, well, do, thanks, man. Do, do you think um, do you think there are like nerds, especially like in our age group, because that that find it offensive that it's now kind of okay to be like those people. I mean, like because I don't know, you're a little bit older than me if you're fifty, but we we you had to have a time in your life when it wasn't exactly the cool thing to to wear a Kiss T-shirt or something like that. Now you can get them <laughs> at freaking Target or Pennies or anything like that. You know what I mean? Well, d- d- you know, and this is going to make me sound like the biggest hypocrite you know on <laughs> earth, but 
but but you hit the nail on the head, dude. Because you know what it is, we're, you know us metalheads, we're, we're nerds too. Yeah. But we're just we're just cooler nerds, you know. We we you know again, you know, people in my age group. We um, drink more. Well, we definitely drink more, um, but but we also, you know, we we went out and bought bought the, the vinyl, or or even the people who, you know, obviously still today when you buy CDs, but you went out always got at the physical uh, copy of whatever album, and you looked at the line notes and you studied them, mm-hmm. and then you then you got into the artwork and you you saw who everybody thanked, and look, that's just as nerdy as the people who put on a Spock outfit and go to a convention. So, you know, it's just a different type of nerd, really. Well, uh, on that note, is there any record that you've bought at least five times in your life? <laughs> yeah, there's def- definitely uh, definitely a bunch of Motorhead albums that I have. <laughs> you know, a, a Brit- you know, like a German pressing of it. Um, you know, it's important to have all the different pressing. countries. Yeah, I, uh, well, now that that metal show is canceled, I don't buy as many different versions of albums <laughs> as I used to. But, um, yeah, I am definitely that way where, where I've got to have, you know, if this one's a limited edition or if this, you know, like you find an album with the songs in a different order, like it was pressed in India. So, you know, the songs are in a completely different order. So you're like, OK, I got to, you know, I got to spend $75 to get that. And all right, this one has a bonus track that you couldn't get in America. So I got to have that one. So, yeah, it's again, it's it's, you know, it's total nerd. It really is. <laughs> well, uh, you, you talked about the metal show a little bit. You mentioned it anyway. Um, is it is it time for the faithful followers of uh, out there like us, uh, or for, like me, I should say, um, to to kind of give up hope? Uh, well, I would say this. You know, um, as Ozzy said on the last Sabbath album that they that they did originally out of the first eight. You know, don't you ever, don't you ever say die. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, d- look when we get kicked down and knocked around in hard rock and metal, you know, and, and we always do. And then, you know, and your favorite bands will go away. And but they always come back somehow, don't they? So sure. um, I would always say, don't give up hope. You know, we're we're trying like crazy to find a new home. In fact, I just got off the air with Eddie Trunk and we talked about a couple options for a new home for it. So th- th- there's things happening. But um you know, I don't think anybody's. I don't think anybody will ever forget it completely. So hopefully, you know, if and when we oh, come back, and everyone will uh, come j- jump back on with us, because you know, we we would always also do keep the same integrity that we always and silliness that we always did it before. Yeah, and I I have to say I miss your sideburns. I just seeing them every <laughs> week. It was, uh, it was such a thing. No, I, I mean I love the freaking show. Um, uh, there was one. There's so many classic bits. So there's a couple I wanted to talk about. Uh, there is. I, I swear it was when you guys were doing like one of your top fives, fives at the beginning, and Eddie was trying to make a, of course, make the case for his entire list. Um, and, and I think it was uh, Detroit Rock City. He talked about taking you on a journey and then you just ran with that for almost the rest of the show uh for whatever for what it's worth i enjoyed that yeah well, thank you. yeah that was i think it was judas priest uh we were talking about the, the hellion electric yes, guy yes. about, see how it did the song takes you into onto a journey and yeah and then i spread my arms out like mm-hmm. i was like i was the, the hellion from judas priest and i look i'm taking eddie drunk on a journey through you know through metal space or whatever, you know, and, <laughs> and I think that's right. You referenced it later in the, the episode too, but, uh, whatever. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Well, well, once he starts getting comfortable again, you gotta, you know, take another shot. <laughs> and you've had Peter and Ace from kiss on a couple times. Um, 
uh, each. But one thing that struck out for both of them is, is how confused they were their first time on by the whole throwdown, the premise of it. Do you do you happen to recall that? I, I think Peter was given a choice between Bonham and, and Neil Pert, and he picked John Bonham. And then when it came time for him to quantify his pick, he just told like a story about being on tour with Rush. Right. <laughs> well, that's what that was the fun thing about doing that. I mean, that they, they weren't the only people confused. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes we would pick one side and be really adamant about it. But then after talking about it for you know forty five seconds to a minute, you could easily be swayed to the other side because the truth is, you know, debate and and doing lists and things like that are are so much fun and mm-hmm. they're so fun fun to debate. But at the end of the day, what you're really trying to do is just to just to keep the conversation out there and keep it going with all the people in the metal community. And that's what it was really all about. There was no wrong answers because as as right as you ever thought your answer was about something, you know, there could always be somebody who will make you you know, change your mind or maybe, you know, just go back the other way a little bit on it. So, uh, you know, I was always the guy who had to sort of play the devil's advocate in that one, because if everybody picked one over yeah. the other, I I always had to pick the opposite and and uh you always did well supporting ones that you could almost tell as a viewer that he's not really taking this side (laughs) well it's tough when you get you know we did once we did um queen versus queens right and it's like i i I know everybody's picking queen and of course i would have picked queen but you know i had to prepare a defense for queens right and i know i didn't do too bad i I was actually pretty proud i i kind of i Kind of, I didn't get destroyed over it, but I kind of made a case for Queens, right? <laughs> do you, um, speaking of Kiss, do you, are you on Paul's shit list because of your of your relationship with Eddie? Well, I'm not blocked on Twitter or anything by him, so I guess I'm okay. And I tweet at him once in a while. I mean, I follow him, and you know, he he yeah, you know, he posts some cool stuff, and then sometimes I'll comment back. So I think I think I'm okay, but I think it's when the times we were all out, you know, like together at the same. Uh, like an event or something, mm-hmm. then Jim and I would be guilty by association. But <laughs> I don't. I don't think he gives me a lot of thought, to be honest. Well, yeah, that's probably true. But that whole thing is kind of baffling to a lot of people. But we'll move on. Um, yeah. hey, I'm all good. With, look, I'm all good with the dude. I'm still because the first band I ever loved. Whatever you know, hang up he has that makes no impact on me as a fan. I still could listen to all my Kiss albums and love them just as much as I did back then. Um, and look, he, he doesn't owe it to us to have, have ever come on the show. You know, it would have been great. It's it's more of a disappointment to the Kiss fans who mm-hmm. said, hey, come on. We want to see Gene and Paul on the show. They, you know, but they decided not to. And, and it's all good. I'm, you know, Gene's out touring, doing a solo tour right now. And I can't wait to go see it. I'm excited. Yeah, I mean, I, that, that's great. Um, you, you touched on something that uh, I, I think a lot of, it, I don't know, it just, it, it seems like, let me just try to get to this. Uh, that the Kiss fans, especially, but just metalheads in general, like, like, like you, you basically just said, Paul and Kiss have given us more than enough. You know what I mean? More than almost any band ever has. And mm-hmm. yeah, maybe he's not the most personable guy at times, but you don't have to hate the band because you didn't like something he said. Yeah. No, no. Yeah, because that's it. You know, look, life's too short. Number one. Number two, like I said, he's not look, he's not putting a lot of thought into me, which is, <laughs> you know, you think he's sitting home right now going, you know, I, I know Jameson's got that album coming out this week. Maybe I should, uh, you know, send him a tweet or give him a buzz or whatever. But, you know, um, you know, he, he actually, you know, we took a few 
few jabs at him over the years on that battle show. All, nothing bad, all in good fun, absolutely. And he, and he had the opportunity, I think, because he, he'd probably been asked like so many times, <laughs> and he was he was speaking in front of a, a bunch of students at some kind of event, and someone asked him, of course, how come you don't do that metal show? And, and he, his response was, oh, that, that show's a little like Wayne's World, isn't it? <laughs> and it got a, it, it got a big laugh, and and of course everyone started asking Eddie and Jim and I about it. And I go, yeah, it was a funny line. I laughed too. I mean, it, it, that was you know, look, we took a jab at him, he took a jab at us, and the truth is, we are a little like Wayne's World, you know. But, mm. You know, you definitely can't question where our heart is. We might be a little goofy and a little silly, but. Um, you know, we were what we were. So uh, I d- totally appreciate that. Was I thought that was a funny line, and I give him credit for that. And and I should not be holding out hope that he's waiting to see who Baco interviews next, and then oh, it's Don Jameson. So. Well, you know, you, you never know. I mean, like he's <laughs> he's you know he's pretty involved in in you know what people say about him on the internet. So we, we'll see what happens. You never we'll see. You know, there could be this could be good for both of us. Yeah. Okay. Let's hope so. Um, the Monsters of Rock cruise, uh, you've done that at least once, right? I had some questions on that. Yeah, I did, this is, I didn't, my, I think my, I've done four now. Jesus. Do you hang out with everybody when you're not performing? Like, do you walk around the cruise and everything? Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I'm, uh, you know, they, they're, they've been so great to me, um, I, but I always tell them, listen, don't waste the big cabin on me. You know, I know you, 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 they, you know, they treat you like a king and I, I love that. But I said, look, you can, you're sell that cabin and make some money on it. Give me a small cabin just with the, just give me the smallest cabin with a, and I just want a balcony because honestly, I'm not going to be in there, man. So it's, mm-hmm. it's a waste of time for me to have a suite where I'm in there for basically just to sleep for five or six hours a night. So yeah, man, I am. I am out the whole time. I'm introducing bands. I'm hanging out with fans. I'm hanging out with the musicians. Um, you know, I'm swimming in the pool. Uh, you know, I get off and do the excursions. Um, you know, if we go to the Bahamas or wherever. So, yeah, man, I'm active the whole time. The the guy I, I co-host the, the, the show with, uh, his fake name is Loose Cannon. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we talk about how, um, we, a couple times anyway, how sometimes at certain shows, the audience can be a bit of an ego boost as far as making you feel better about yourself. Uh, you know what I mean? Metalheads can be pretty extreme. They're not always the cleanest. Uh, you ever run into any uncomfortable situations on the cruise? Because you're just jammed in there. Well, if you're, if you're asking me if I've caught any STDs so far, <laughs> I haven't. But um, Have you tried? <laughs> Well, I use a condom, so I'm, I, I oh, okay. feel 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 pretty good. You sound disappointed in yeah, that, I believe. Like, yeah. <laughs> I'm bummed now. <laughs> but uh, no, you know what, man? I'll tell you, it's uh, 99 out of 100 people are, are cool. Yes, when it gets late at night, when people have been drinking since noon, and now it's like 1 in the morning, it could get a little hairy. Um, but, you know, then that's when you go, oh, you know, I'm going to go to my cabin now and, stay, and get some sleep. So... No, I really enjoy doing it. I'm a real social dude, man. I like to be out and, and be hanging with people. If I go on one of those cruises, I'm just sitting in my cabin. It's you know, like what? Then well, what do I get out of it? Sure, I get to perform and I, you know, I get to see mm-hmm. some great bands. But if the rest of the time I'm just stuck in a cabin, uh, you know, uh, that's no fun. 
Well, you know, there's no way Paul Stanley's walking around the Kiss Cruise. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> no, in fairness, like, I'll just say this because we were kind of like uh, talking a little cheap at him. It would be a much different experience for him walking around a, a Kiss Cruise than, than than I suppose you would be at the Monsters of Rock. And I still got to believe it'd be a bit of a pain in the butt for you. But Yeah, well, but again, you know, I, I, I build in a little extra time, <laughs> you know, to get from point A to point B. But yeah, certainly for, for Paul, that would be a... Uh, It'd be a, well. That's why they do their own cruises, you know, because mm-hmm. they could they could control everything. So, uh, yeah. But no, it, those cruises are amazing, man. I, 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 you know, again, not just because I perform on them, because I hear good things about pretty much all these rock cruises. But I really highly recommend it. I'm already booked for 2018, so right jump on. aboard with us and and have fun and uh, you know dodge STDs like I do. <laughs> dodge STDs. Um, I'll bring my wife and we'll both give it a shot. Um, uh, but you've obviously seen some i don't mean to make light of this but people have been dying on these things at the def leppard cruise and then the uh, the i don't know which cruise it was but the the guy who used to be in boston died on that cruise yeah you get worried about any of these old rockers that might party too hard kicking one on but you know what it is i mean a lot of these guys you know that i grew run across they you know they could put me under the table party and you know so i um you know as far as you look a lot of our rockers obviously they're aging and you know we you know we always say god who's going to be the next generation of people to replace them because you you know you're starting to you're starting to go listen you know the guys in judas priest other than richie they're you know they're in their 60s and mm-hmm. you know some of these guys are now getting you know ian Gillen from deep purple i think is 70 like so you're starting to get people up into the you know all the sabbath guys are in their late 60s so you you know they're not invincible you know that's a you know, tour, being a touring band, even if you have the best accommodations, it's a tough living, man. So, sure. um, no, but most of the guys that I've, that I've hung with, um, on these cruises, man, I mean, they're like Olympic athletes, man. It's a really, you have to have a special training when you're a rock star to really be able to like throw down hard every night and then still go out and turn it on the next day on stage, man. It's, it's pretty incredible. Um, you know, Brad Gillis from Night Ranger, it's, you know, if if I get hooked in with him on one of these cruises and and we get to the bar and start going, it's uh, it's not good for me for a couple of days. <laughs> Brad Gillis, I would not have picked that one. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, they have, there's, a, there's a phrase called Ranger Danger, and uh, he's pretty much the... <laughs> the reason for that saying because uh once you get in ranger danger with him it's uh yeah you get definitely gonna be nursing a lot of hangovers oh man oh, a I, great guy uh, on the yeah, night ranger bit i don't know if you if you heard but kelly's not feeling the best so best of best of uh wishes out to him yeah we we talked with jack blades actually on there today when i was with eddie and uh you know jack's a great guy he's a consummate ball buster uh through and through which is you know which is why we love him um kelly's definitely you know on the mend he's very he's doing great he just can't get out and tour right now but um you know those guys were also cool enough to let uh eddie and i on the cruise come up and sing sister christian with them backup vocals which i don't care who you are how hard you think you are how heavy the bands you like are oh i only like black metal and death metal 
let me tell you something. If you Night Ranger has you to come up and sing Sister Christian, man, <laughs> you're going to go up and sing and you're going to smile and For you're going to sure. have a great time, man. That's that's an iconic song that um, only guys that cool could let two idiots like me and Trunk go up there and butcher <laughs> one of their one of their biggest hits. So uh, I'm, I want the the raw feed of Eddie's vocal um, to be <laughs> isolate the isolated yeah, isolated yeah. vocal. That's what I'm looking for. Uh, hey, you know, I, uh, as you know, I'm in Minnesota here. Uh, you played a, a few years back. I swear, it was a. Do you, have you ever performed at a Opinion Brewing uh, in Newport? Does that ring a bell? It's no, a, it's no. a converted bowling alley. I thought you were opening for ah, shoot, like Faster Pussycat or something yeah, like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, sorry, man. Sorry, just got some some musicians coming through. Um, <laughs> no, no, I never did. You know, um, I, I probably I, just got it wrong. Then I am available for brewery work, but uh, <laughs> I was just out there recently, and you and I were supposed to to connect directly. Yeah, that was that New Hope. That. So maybe that's where I'm getting man. thrown off. Yeah, and that's at a, a, a Cinema Grill or something. I, I saw you there about two years ago. We actually uh, you, you posed for a selfie with me, so thank you very much for that. Oh, yeah, cool. No, I like that club. It's, a, like it's, a, it's in a movie theater, which mm-hmm. sounds bizarre, but it's, it's actually a lot of fun. Um, and then, But then, I, you know, I got this wicked case of food poisoning. It's coming out of in and out of both ends. And <laughs> I had to cancel the Friday show, which I was going to meet up with you. And then, you know, one of the things I was really bummed about is the next day I had to drive to Minnesota to Jackson to do the grand opening of David Ellison from Megadeth's Coffee Shop. And I did not want to miss that for anything. About halfway there, I got to ask you, because I know where Jackson is. Were you were you starting to pray that you don't have any car trouble? <laughs> yeah, it gets, yeah, there's, there's definitely there's, there's a lot of uh, crops and, uh, yeah, the silos and <laughs> barns and things that may or may not be have been inhabited in the last twenty years or so, but uh, and not exactly yeah, the uh, funniest people either. At least not mm-hmm. since the human race. <laughs> well, it was it was fun to do the the grand opening of his coffee shop. He grew up in Jackson, which, mm-hmm. uh, as you probably know, is just a oh, we're tiny very little... we're very proud of uh, Mr. Ellison in Minnesota. Yeah, and he's such an unbelievably cool guy. Um, I, you know, I performed at the coffee shop and. You know, we signed stuff for fans and took photos, and then we went to uh, the grave of Mary Jane Twilliger, who was supposedly a witch who was buried alive at the Loon Lake Cemetery by her father, and that's where Megadeth got the song Mary Jane from I So Far, So Good, So What. Yeah, a lot of people think it's a song about weed, it's about a dead witch, who's not really a witch. She was just a regular girl, but that was sort of the folklore um, of Loon Lake Cemetery, mm-hmm. and that's that's, uh, and then the kids used to go up there and drink and like kind of tempt their fate, probably, you know, messing around with her grave to see if you know it was haunted. And I guess the the story was the two Daves from Megadeth would go up there and you know drinking and hanging out up at the grave, and they ended up writing that song. So we we did a guided tour with the fans, and we went up there and with a paranormal expert and you know we were asking you know the spirit of mary jane questions and things so it was just such a cool day and i was still definitely not feeling 100 percent, but uh you know thanks to elton's super strong coffee and uh just everybody in such a up and positive mood uh, i had a little day and then i came back to new hope and did my show at night so the show go good so it all worked out, and then I then I passed out like a mofo and slept for like fourteen hours and came home. All right, um, you you tour with bands from time to time. Is that a tougher gig than like just a straight up comedy show? 
yes, it's much tougher. You know, it's you're definitely in attack mode way more, you know, because people are standing, you know, they've been watching bands. They're sort of in a certain, you know, mindset um, in terms of the performance on the stage. So as a comic, you got to kind of, you know, you got to bring that. You, you got to bring what what's usually missing in a comedy show. I'm not the type of comic who stands, you know, with my leg up against the back wall and, mm-hmm. Hmm, so what do you guys want to talk about now? Like I come out of the gate, you know, attack or attacking right from the beginning. And so it's definitely a, a quicker pace. It's definitely a, a, a bigger, louder kind of show. Um, and you know, I, when I, when I do something like that and then I go do a comedy club, I have to sort of like talk myself down, you know, I'm like, could Don relax? These are nice people. They paid to be here. <laughs> They're sitting. They've had a reasonable amount of drinks. You don't have to yell and scream at them. And then I could kind of, bring myself back down to comedy club level but uh i tell you man i really love being out with bands i think it's so cool yeah is it hanging with them that makes it fun or just uh more of the challenge or everything all the above or yeah all the above man it, it, it's really cool because it's a different it's a different exercise like i said it's so different than doing a comedy club but yet th- this is my audience you know mm-hmm. this is a, this is my scene, you know, it's like, I'm, people. I'm those, I'm those people, you know, if I wasn't up on the stage doing it, I'd be down there, you know, waiting for whatever band to come on. I, I always loved the days, the early days when a comic would open for bands and that was a cool thing. And then for so long, man, it was not a cool thing. And I'm, you know, I'm happy to be one of the few comics you know, in the modern day, that's kind of made it a cool thing again, man. Mm-hmm. And, and I and I think it is great because, you know, you you go see a headlining band, and sometimes you sit through, you know, six local bands, and they all sound the same, and some of them are not very good sometimes. Why wouldn't you throw if there's a guy crazy enough to go up there and tell jokes for a half hour? Why wouldn't you want that in the mix? You know, what's the worst that could happen? You go, okay, this guy's not funny. I'll go to the bar. <laughs> I'm with you. I've only seen it done a couple times, and I liked it both times. So, uh. cool. Yeah, it's it's definitely you know myself. You know, Jim Florentine does it as well. Jim Brewer is amazing at it. Uh, Jim Norton. You know, uh, all my Jersey crew are kind of the, the guys who all do it. Brian Posehn uh, from the from the, oh, the yeah. West Coast does, hey, does it as well. He's so. on Big Bang. Again, you know, Brian, but Brian's, Brian will tell you what a nerd he is. Oh, yeah. Brian's, a, Brian's a double nerd. He's uh, a, a nerd nerd, and he's a metal nerd. So We all live in a Big Bang world, apparently. Um, <laughs> hey, you, you guys supported Dio a lot, obviously, and, you, and I know you've been involved in some of the charity work uh, over the years to the stand-up to stand up and shout you know, cancer funder. Mm-hmm. What, are, what are your thoughts on the Holla Dio? The hologram deal? Great question. Because we, I was talking about this with somebody the other day. I, I met the, um, I met the guy Jeff Bazzuti who created the deal hologram. I saw the clips online and I, I liked. I thought it was good. Um, you obviously, as a fan, you kind of have, you know, you debate in your head. You have mixed kind of feelings about it. But you know, he and I talked about it for about a good half hour um, at this uh, award show in New York. And he just said to me at the end, he goes, bottom line, dude, would you go see it? Hmm. And I said, if we're just cutting right to the right to the chase. Yeah, I, I really would. And I will go see it if it comes around, because I know the people in Ronnie's camp care about him. They love him and they wouldn't let it be done in, in a crappy way. You know, I know that it's going to be done 
you know, it's going to be done in a respectful, proper way. So, yeah, I'm thumbs up on it. But I, I totally get if like if you tell me you think it's the worst thing ever, I could see your side of it, too. Yeah, my uh, the, my co-host and I are split on it. I I think it's a little creepy. He's all for it. He he even thinks he should do it with some living people that can't perform as well as he used to. <laughs> he wants to break, expand it. Yeah, that's what I will. I was saying to Ed, Eddie Trunk before I go. You know, the thing we've got, I was going to mention to Jack Blades when we had him on the phone was, you know, the next time a band member goes down, hologram him. Hmm. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Like yeah. he's, you know, they don't like have Brian to die Johnson. You, you, know, just do- you, you don't have to die to hologram them. Just put them in there, man. Yeah, Brian. <laughs> like Brian, Brian could sit home in Sarasota, and go fishing, and yeah. keep collecting his millions, and and then his hologram could be performing all over the world. Oh God. Uh, <laughs> so communication <laughs> breakdown uh, that comes out April twenty first. Um, Looking at the track list, I'm curious, um, what is finger banging about? <laughs> well, dude, if you're almost 50 and you don't know what finger banging is, <laughs> I can't help you there. Uh, you have to listen you got to the album. Cheap shot. I guess I should have expected that. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's an album full of cheap shots. Mm. Okay. Uh, and vagina no-nos, can you give us an idea what some of those might be? Well, again, I, I think, you know, you and your wife might need some serious counseling <laughs> and therapy. Great. Now she can't you, listen to this. If you don't understand what the, what you should. Oh, no, I get uh, I get that there are vagina no-nos. I'm asking, do you want to give us a taste? Are there, is it a list? Well, like, uh, well no, like, okay, well, there were, yeah, there were, there, so I saw this list um, on Twitter, and it was the top five, top five things women should never put into their vaginas. <laughs> and I was like, holy crap, I'm number four. <laughs> Oh, I love so it. So that, w- that would be an example of one of the th- vagina no-nos. But there's many. But, you know, that's just a, that's a free one. You have to download if you want more. <laughs> no, that, yeah, that's all exact, a little tease. So you, that's you, it. You, you can go to the jet. Ge- go ahead. No, you get a one-liner, and that's it. Then you got to go listen to the rest of them. Mm-hmm. And that was good, too. To me, I think it's a very good tease. I, I'm looking forward to it even more now. Uh, and obviously, well, we we can you know it, it, just type in Don Jameson in a search engine. You're gonna, you're gonna get your website. You're gonna get Facebook. I believe it's donjameson.com, right? Yeah, and they'll have all the links. Whether yeah. you know, obviously, you can, everyone it's on pre-order now. You can go to iTunes and get it, which is probably what most people do. That's you know the modern age now, and and that's cool because uh, you know there's a lot of standalone tracks on the album obviously for the rock crowd you know which would be primarily the people you and i are talking to right now there's a lot of stuff about bands on the album the Mm -hmm. whole middle of the album is all about rock and metal stuff um but you know there's also just regular stuff you know there's there's you know masturbation jokes a handful um (laughs) you know there's a a crazy story about you know me and uh kiefer sutherland uh a drunken crazy night where uh which state ends with Jack Bauer giving me a hickey. Um, and so if you want to hear how that happened, you can download the track Kiefer, which is the first hit single off the album. Um, <laughs> and there's some stuff, there's stuff about drinking, there's just stuff about weed on there. I did have some stuff about the election. Um, I have a near death experience on a skateboard. I have a story about almost having a three. So I'm the only comic who puts where I didn't have sex. Like I, most comments who go, oh, let me tell you about this threesome I had. I have a bit that where I didn't, I almost had a threesome, <laughs> but it didn't go down. So that way I'm not bragging. I, I you know, I see blocked myself on that one. But uh, so, yeah, there's a little something for everybody on there. I'm real happy with the way it came out. And, 
you know, I perform in Ohio a lot. Uh, that's where I recorded the album. Mm-hmm. And uh, for some reason, those crazy bastards get me out there. Have you ever had to record uh, a comedy record a second or third time because the audience kind of sucked? Well, what the, the idea is that you you know you always record multiple shows. So okay. so I had four shows that week, and I recorded all of them. But you know, the, for me, I always say I want it to be at least ninety five percent one show because there's a flow to it. You know, there's a natural mm-hmm. kind of rhythm to to doing stand up, and you don't want to be editing in bits from different from this night and that night and you're trying to match it up and make this, the tempo seem like it's the same and maybe there's less people or more people in the room and the tone sounds different and you're sitting there and you spend half the time trying to match everything up and then what you get is something that doesn't really have a good flow to it so this is you know my third album and they've I've done them all the same way 95 percent one show and stuff that i forgot uh, i can pick from another night which is good and we pop it in there, but yeah, you know, we do minimal editing, which is good. It's a, it's truly is a live album. And so have you ever thought about like doing like, um, oh, uh, you know, like, uh, like pre-scripted bits that aren't live or meant to be live or, you know, I, I know some comedians have done that with their records. Well, no, I mean, I don't do like, you know, like I don't try to do like kiss alive one and two, where it's basically <laughs> a studio album and then, you, you you add in the you add in the uh, the audience from like the Super Bowl that year you know okay. which is well documented I'm not saying anything no. out of line no but, but we're um, now both uh, been blocked by Paul Stanley on Twitter I was just checking, <laughs> we, so. <laughs> <laughs> apparently he's but, listening uh, right now <laughs> well listen uh, I, but I could also again I'm uh, sometimes maybe I'm the man of a million contradictions but but I'll still say those are two of my favorite live albums ever even though. You know, we know now that they weren't exactly live, so... We're finding uh, that's pretty common with most of those records. I mean, there's some exceptions, but, you know, like most live records, it seems like there's a decent amount of overdubbing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the, the, yeah, the, the, the list is pretty endless, but, uh, yeah, Kiss, Kiss was definitely... They took it to uh, another level. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and the, 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 that Frampton one, too, was that was, a, that was a pretty big offender, too. I think that one was basically almost a fully... Uh, like a sound check and then they added in. I think that was the one actually where they literally put like the Super Bowl audience uh, <laughs> as the, the, the crowd track. So, uh, but you know, that's when live albums were an event back then, you know, now mm-hmm. bands put out a live album after every tour and it's just sort of a keepsake and maybe yeah. you take it out, out every once in a while and listen to it. But back, back when I was coming up, you know, when the live album came out, you were like, yes, you know, this is going to be cool. Cause it's the whole, Certainly. it's like their whole career to that point live and you know a lot of times because production wasn't good back then the songs sounded so much better live they had way more energy to them so yeah you got a point though i think the last live release by a band i liked that i really looked in got into was maybe iron maiden live after death i might be skipping a couple but you know prior to that it was a pretty regular thing i would get into but that's pretty, I, I gotta say, I, do, I think you're pretty spot on with that. I can't really think of a live album after that that's that was a must get. So yeah, it's it the the the, the live album, the art of it is is kind of lost. But obviously with comedy, you you can't have a you know you can't really I can't really just you know stand in the lobby of mm-hmm. a building and start doing my act. I mean, it kind of depends on people being there and and responding. Although that might be. A good concept for my next record. Yeah, I think you just came across something. So there's no, like, Bob Rock super producer of comedy records that you try to get? 
<laughs> I, I, I can't afford them. Are you yeah. kidding me? Just, <laughs> metal blades already using me as a write off. Yeah. Well, Don, uh, before I let you go, uh, by the way, thanks again for your time. Um, would you entertain doing a throwdown with just you and I? I have the topic ready. Let's go. All right. Let's do it. I'm ready. Eric Singer or Eric Carr? But two minutes oh. on the clock. Well, I'm not really going to put on a clock. But. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, I mean, but what if we pick the same guy? Oh, okay. Well, let's just see what happens. Well, you go first because then. Oh, I that's right. My, I yeah, that's my perfect. Role. I'm going to pick, pick Eric Carr. The contrarian. Okay. Well, I'll, so I'm going to go Eric Singer because then we have nothing to debate about if we don't. But. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Well, look, you, you, Eric Carr, yes, is look, he did he help bring Kiss back from the uh, in a lot of ways? Yes, he did. But Eric Singer played with Kiss and still plays with Kiss for what's he in 20 years now? So I mean, he's Something. got really he's got the body of work. I mean, he, you got to give him that, man. He's been with the band a long time. He played with the makeup, without the makeup. Uh, he's got more of a track record. We miss Eric Carr dearly, but I'm going to have to stick with Eric Singer. Yeah, um, I will say this. Without Eric Carr, I'm fine with Eric Singer. It's not like Eric Carr is even an option right now because of his death. But um, I, Eric Carr really did change Kiss's sound. I'd say overnight, but I don't want to blame him for the elder. Uh, but <laughs> he, he also doesn't get credit for inspiring almost the entire 80s genre of drummers. Prior to him, double kicks really weren't that common, except for with Alex Van Halen and, and Neil Peart. And while those guys are very influential, by the way, I'm just saying visually it seemed like there was something that he brought to the table that, you know, your Bobby Blotzers, Tommy Lees, all these guys kind of kind of mimed. Plus his playing, I think, is, is, is much more unique than Eric Singer. Eric Singer is kind of a, a studio musician. He's very good. He's a good fit and kiss. But out of the two, it may be close, but I, I'll, I'll take Eric Carr. Right, but again, and you're right. I mean, look, he, that was arena rock drumming at its best by Eric Carr, but... You know, also Eric Singer, you know, he played with Alice Cooper. You know, he's got a little bit more of a, a body of work behind him. So, again, you know, I think he brings a lot of that stuff to Kiss. He's played on a few Kiss albums. And most importantly, like you said, he did not play or write anything on The Elder, <laughs> which is very important. People who hear this and follow our show are going to be surprised that I said that. I love The Elder. Uh, but no, I, I don't, but I love Unmasked. Just I, I love that record, too, man. Um, All right, good. Anyway, Don, thank you so much for your time. This has been a pleasure. People listening, the Communication Breakdown comes out on the 21st on Metal Blade Records. Make sure to buy it. Any last words or parting shots? No, just, like, just appreciate the time, man. And uh, next time in Minnesota, let's hook up and uh, get into some range danger. Yeah, definitely. If you need some kind of Minnesota <laughs> ranger danger, yeah, I know what that means now. Yeah, if you need a Minnesota Bobo, I can, uh, I can help you out, man. <laughs> I appreciate it, brother. All right, Don. Have a good day. Have a good one, man. If you'd like to continue <laughs> to hold, <laughs> press the pound key. Okay. Main menu. If you are calling what? because you accidentally left a five-star review when you meant to leave 51-star reviews, Come press on! one. If you are calling. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 